You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Today's episode is sponsored by JLS Automation. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meet Magazines. Our guest today is Henrik Grota, Director of Research and Development at the Danish Technological Institute. And our focus today will center on the automation of the meat processing industry, what's working, what could be improved upon, potential challenges, and acceptance of systems on both the corporate and the processing plant levels. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Henrik. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward. Absolutely, as we are. So can you give our listeners a general overview on how extensively automated systems are currently in use in the meat industry, both in the U.S. as well as globally? I can try. It's very different from country to country. So you can say in Denmark, where I'm from, it's highly automated. And during the last 20 years, we have more than cut 50% of the workforce by automating and getting more and more streamlined production system. Whereas you see in other countries, especially in the middle Europe and southern Europe, you see a lot less automation and much more manual production. The U.S. is usually very labor extensive, but the corona has showed it also has a huge vulnerability because it is so labor extensive. So what we are seeing today is that uh, the American industry is turning more towards automation and are looking very much into to the solutions that we are using in Europe because historically you can say that there has been a difference when you cross the Atlantic, where volume was the major thing in the US, uh, you could say yield has been the major thing in Europe. But now it seems to be changing. So the American system is more looking towards European uh, way of looking at production, meaning that you want to maximize your yield and get the most out of each carcass. So I think today what we see is that the highly automated become even more automated and those with little automation, they're struggling to find out how to get into this wave of automation because it's an expensive thing and money are not that big in the industry at the moment. So I think that's how I would describe it. Well, you've just hit upon two of the most important conundrums that we've identified as well, the cost and system integration, and of course, the effect on labor in terms of employee concerns that they're all about to be replaced. What are some of the other challenges that companies that have moved in this direction have faced so far, and what might they face in the near future? Looking upon it from a research and development perspective, meaning looking some years ahead, we see that that customization is going to be an, a big issue. I mean, we have an, a public agenda saying that meat is not good for environment. It's not a sustainable kind of nutrition and so on. So there's a lot of fuss about this, meaning that the consumers are more and more taking meat out of their daily meals. So we are looking into a production that will have to manufacture less but still need to earn the same so they will need to provide something else for the customer and we think it's very much like the car industry back in the 90s where they went from 
mass producing a few models to making very individualized products, whereas Volkswagen said we make one-piece serial production, meaning that every Volkswagen should be as the customer wanted it to be. And that is a quite different challenge when you manufacture. But we also see that in a market where the product is going to have a lot higher price, there be less meat and et cetera, et cetera, then the slaughterhouses will need to to answer to custom requests in a lot broader scale than they do today, meaning also that they will need to be more transparent in the way they manufacture. People want to know what they are eating, where does it come from, what was the exact conditions on the day when it was manufactured, both at the farm and at the slaughterhouse. I mean, it's like... At home, I have uh, my power supply. They have provided me with an app where I can look and see how much uh, power I have consumed within the last 24 hours. Do I need it? No. Do I look at it? Yes, because I can. And it interests me to see how much sustainable energy have I been using. Is it 60% or 80%? It's something that my neighbors and my friends, we talk about it like the weather. Oh, last week we had 100% sustainable energy. And it will be the same within the meat industry, showing that you are eating the right kind of meat, discussing it with your neighbors and the slaughterhouses will have to provide this traceability and visibility to be a trustworthy supplier in the market. That's what we are telling the industry. And based on that, we also tell them that they will need to go into a much more flexible kind of automation, meaning that, for example, line production will be very challenged if you want to give the customer the possibility to to design their products, so to say, if they want to respond to things that happens in the public sphere. I mean, somebody showing something on television, somebody putting a recipe uh, uh, on the internet, and then you need to respond to that to get the market share. And being able to do that is not something that the traditional kind of slaughterhouse can do. So looking into a lot more flexibility to small series to and a lot more traceability. That's what we see in the future. So it sounds like this customization requirement almost uh, is going to turn into new types of automated systems being developed. Can you give me a sense or give our listeners a sense of what that time frame might be, especially for those companies that haven't adopted anything yet in terms of automating their processes? Yeah, I can tell you at the moment, we are just finalizing a big project that has been running for the last four years on how to make a cell-based production, meaning that instead of having a line production, we take the carcass into a cell with three robots, and then we do all the processing lying on a conveyor table. It's a totally different approach to production. And that is some of the things that we see coming up. And this could both be an advantage and a disadvantage for the newcomers. If you are a small slaughterhouse going into automation, it will surely be an advantage because your investment in technology will be less. You can get the whole package for a lesser investment. It will also be a challenge because you will need to be able to run more sophisticated equipment, robotics, artificial intelligence algorithms and so on so there are pros and cons but all in all i think 
this change will open new possibilities for the small slaughterhouses who are able to to embrace these new technologies and take them in fast and get ahead. And it will also give them the possibility because in a market where the customer control, the customer don't need to consider whether he's buying from a big slaughterhouse or from a small slaughterhouse. He just looks at what is delivered at his doorstep and whether it has the the quality and the shape that he expected. So whether it's coming from a small slaughterhouse or a big one, who cares? And it certainly opens some possibilities. And certainly customer-driven, absolutely. So with today's labor shortages, supply chain issues, and other logistical challenges in the post-COVID era, has the time really finally arrived for even more meat processors to give additional consideration to installing automated operations that currently exist within their plants? Yes, but it is an agenda that is ongoing. I mean, the biggest slaughterhouses, both in uh, the US and in Europe and in the Far East, they have been automating a lot for the last 20 years and they keep on doing it. I mean, they're going into second or third generation automation now where the robotics have started coming in. I mean, within the last five years, we have seen an explosion in new robotic systems, whereas five years ago, you would say robotics has no place in in meat industry, they are too slow, they are too big, and they cannot be cleaned. But today we see new robotic systems coming up at every slaughter business fair in around the world. So you surely see them going down that road. And we also see it in Denmark that traditional slaughterhouse machines, they have been taken out and new robotic systems put in. So I think that is what we'll see the the big slaughterhouses will do. And we also see that they are looking into new production forms, looking at smaller volumes. So they anticipate then in some years' time, they will be changing the production paradigm to suit new market demands. So that is what we see at the market. Okay. Now, you mentioned earlier that some European processors are that have installed these systems they've cut their workforces by a significant amount. What exactly are these companies telling their line workers to calm their fears that jobs are being lost as their systems are being used more extensively? I have been around speaking on seminars for unions, both uh, here in Denmark and Germany and so on. And every time I talk about robotics and automation and the new world that we are looking into with the technology all around, then there will be one in the audience who raises his hand and says, no, we don't want that. It will take our jobs, get away. We just keep on going as we do. It's fine. And then there will be two others stepping up and saying, stop saying that because we cannot go forward without embracing the automation. So no, tell us how we can get into it. How do we go forward and become part of this transition? And that is very much reflecting how I see that industry look upon it. They see it as a necessity. They cannot go forward without automation. So it's more a matter of how to embrace it and how to to get into it because they also come with a workforce that is fairly low skilled. So stepping into robotics seems a big step for them. And that's where I see the major concern. How do we bring these people up to speed so that they can actually be part of that transition? And that goes both for the the workforce and for the management. And now we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, 
JLS Automation. Transform your business with Industry 4.0 and JLS Robotic Packaging Solutions. Designed to solve complex packaging challenges, these robotic systems integrate motion, logic, safety, and HMI into a single scalable platform. Both Talon Robotic Pick-and-Play Systems and Osprey Robotic Case Packers come Industry 4.0 ready. Ensure food-safe operations while maximizing output, all with a true partnership mindset, easy-to-use technology, and unrivaled aftermarket support. Learn about JLS products and services at www.jlsautomation.com. Now back to the podcast. Now, it's uh, been about a year since Tyson announced a $1.3 billion plan to automate its meat plants over a three-year period, which obviously is quite a commitment for a protein company of that size. Is this aggressive approach the most effective for meat processors considering an automation augmentation? I would say it's not the amount of money that is really the interesting thing. It's the ability to to think visionary because looking at an industry who is using equipment that is or, fil- or production philosophies that date back before uh, Ford, it really takes some some effort to think out of the box. I mean, it's also an industry that is very much uh, focused on optimization. We optimize to everything is optimized, time, yield, everything, optimize, optimize, optimize. And suddenly you need to make a big technological jump to somewhere else. And I think that the major problem is whether you can make that jump. And if you have this huge amount of money, then you sure have the prerequisite for doing some serious things. But the real thing is whether you and your organization is able to make this transition. And that's why I would not say that you can announce this this plan, but can you effect go through with it? That's a real question. And you raise an excellent point that the level of worker is totally different from what's happening currently on the line. They have to know a lot more about how these systems work and how traceability and sustainability are factored into production, et cetera, which of course the companies will have to train them to do. So what kind of technological advances in automated systems do you foresee in the next year or so? And will the cost of such equipment gradually ramp down as more companies move toward testing them? What I see is that artificial intelligence is really a game changer in the meat industry because the challenge when trying to put mechanics into the meat industry is that we have this biological variance. If you take a, a Lego block, then it has the same size every time within a few microns. But if you take a tenderloin, then it can have different shapes, different lengths, different weight, different color, but it's still a tenderloin and you need to take it out with a high yield. So and that is something that has really been challenging for automation until now. But we see some fast progress by the help of artificial intelligence because suddenly these neural networks can start understanding what a tenderloin means and start processing based on understanding of what a tenderloin is, for example. And that is something that is really going to change. What is also, as we see it, going to happen is that much more knowledge and capability will be be put into the algorithms, whereas the mechanical side of it will be more or less standard. I mean, it goes towards standardized industrial robots. 
it's tooling that is, yeah, also fairly standardized. So you cannot really make a difference in terms of mechanics. No, the real difference and and ability to compete lies in your algorithms, how well you can train this algorithm and how well you can adapt it to new processes. This means that the investment will be lesser because it will be a lot more standardized equipment, but you will get a new cost, which is getting the right people to train these algorithms, introducing the right ways of of working with these algorithms. And the winners will be those who are able to build up an environment where the professional butchers are able to, should we say, play with the robots and optimize these algorithms. And and then those who have the most optimal algorithms and the most adaptable algorithms, they will be the ones who, who win in the market because they can they can meet the customer's needs in the best way and in the cheapest way. Now, this sounds like a plan that would take some time to implement. What about some of these companies that have dipped their toes into it by installing uh, chicken deboning equipment, automated equipment at their plants? Were they too early? Should they have waited until some of these other advancements have been in play? No, because to get the benefit from new technology is by uh, taking it in and embracing it because... The technology advance is so fast that uh, if you sit back and wait, you'll just get lost. You need to take it in and then take some new in when it comes up. I mean, industrial robots, I could give you an example. Today, we have developed a tool changing mechanism. One of the barriers for selling that in the market is that the users say, well, why should we change the tool? We change the whole robot. When they have a robot for one or two years, then they throw it out and buy a new one. So being at the forefront of new technology means swifting rapidly. And therefore, there's no reason for waiting. Just get into it and look at it and learn how to benefit from it. And that speaks again to the adaptability that you mentioned earlier, that these companies are going to have to ingrain into their operations. Finally, uh, Henry, can you give our listeners some context on how meat companies are running their R&D departments in terms of considering moving toward automated systems as of today? What are they doing right and what do you think they can do better? Be a little sarcastic, I would say they should start doing R&D. I think that's the major problem in the industry, that there's not very much R&D. I mean, we are an institute that works with meat R&D due to our history being from a a cooperative uh, slaughter business industry in Denmark. But otherwise, it's a few big companies around the world who do R&D into to meat industry, and, and that's too little. Comparing us to other industries, I mean, we are very small in terms of size R&D-wise, so a lot more investment in R&D and a lot more, you should say, readiness to, to try new things, to do pilot plans, to do pilot productions, to go into the universities and get interest from new technicians who can come into the industry and help develop it because you need a very specific background to do automation in the the meat industry. You cannot just jump into it. It takes time to understand these special requirements and therefore the industry should do a lot more in terms of promoting 
their R&D efforts and invest more in R&D. Also, uh, especially on in the practical scale, where simply trying to do things in their industry instead of waiting for laboratories to come out with something. And that, of course, could also involve training programs for the next generation of processors and line workers and management. Very much so. Otherwise, the meat industry will have a hard time getting employees because the political agenda is not helping us. It's against us. So we need to do something on our own to promote the industry if we want to have a competent workforce. Terrific. Thank you so much, Henrik, for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for Meeting Pod today. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Meeting Place and Altmeet magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and altmeet.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net.